Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. All right, Kenya, we're back. We are back, Will. And this is it. This is the. This is kind of a a, a bench stone. This is a, a major mark because we're at the twenty sixth episode, which means we've done twenty six weeks. Yes, which means half a year. Half a year. <laughs> half a year. Half a year of doing podcasts. Yay! Yay! Well, well let's <laughs> let's get right into it since we have a, a guest and our, our our call time is a little bit short. So um, I'm going to give you all a quick music tip, which is to have a technical writer. It's called a technical writer with all of your contracts when you're going on tour or performing overseas and actually Mm. performing uh, nationally, too. So what it is, is basically quality control for your performance (laughs) and (laughs) making sure that all the venues know exactly what you need to make sure that your performance is exactly what you want. That's yeah. it. So that's, that's that writer art yep. that you need to have. Yeah. That might be a good podcast topic to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. In another, yeah. In a future date. Yeah, well, I, I have a free one inside of the book, making money in the music business. Uh, so if you want to pick one up, you can go, definitely go check the, uh, check the book out and there's a free one there for you. It has all the microphones, instruments, everything that you would need for a live performance. So check wow. that out. Wow. You have such great free stuff. Okay, that's <laughs> that's good. I'm going to check that out too. But yeah. So, great, I'm going to let great. you introduce our guest today since uh you you're the one that brought her in. So, go ahead. Yes. Yes. I I'm very excited and you know, I know we we need way more time than we're going to get, but I'm very excited to to be able to uh to interview this person who I, I interview people who are, who not only are just amazing um, musicians and people in the industry, but who have been amazing in my life too. So I've been very selfish <laughs> with the people, but I'm, I'm not going to give too much cause I want her to kind of tell her story as we interview, but um, I'd like to welcome Miss Lindia Johnson. Hi, Lindia. Hi, Kenya. Hi, Will. Hey, hey. Yes. Yes. And just, before we start going into our questions and all that good stuff, I do want to let the listeners know that Lindia is a premier, and I mean that, a really premier vocal coach and now professor and instructor of vocal health. Um, and you, literally, she, she was my vocal coach, but she's been the vocal coach of many celebrity um, artists as well as um, independent, and I'm sure she'll be able to share that more. But you are gonna. You're you're really in for a treat. Um, I think, Lindia, you provide so much, um, not just education, but you know, you're a soul person too. Like my soul has changed <laughs> working with you. Well, that's, that's good to know too. That's actually yeah. good to know. Um, yeah. You know, because so, uh, it's a tough business, so you you kind of need to work both both sides, the voice yes. and the soul. Yes. And you really have taught me that. So if you could just tell us, you know, just a little bit about your background and how you even landed in this space of of being a vocal coach. 
Well, um, and you know, the term vocal coach, you know, I really, I'm not sure how I've been feeling about it lately. It's so highly unregulated that, um, you know, um, I'm always a little um, ambivalent about using that term because anyone can use it and um, people do. And unsuspecting singers usually um, see the word vocal coach and they assume that that person is qualified because they took that title. And unfortunately, that title has been abused a lot in the music industry. And so you can get a random person off the street to hang a shingle up that says vocal coach. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> unsuspecting yeah. singers will walk in there and, and think that they're getting, you know, what they need. Um, and that's really not the case. So, you know, I call myself a vocologist mm-hmm. or a pedagogue. There you go. Both are um, more scientific terms because I deal with vocal anatomy and the science behind how the human body makes sound. Um, mm. So, and so, in addition to you know coaching singers um, per se, I actually go in to the physiology and and to the um, science behind how the human body produces sound and continuously and healthfully. Um, so that said. Mm. Um, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> she just like broke it down. Yes. No. Awesome. No, my question was, how did you even get that? Like get oh, there? How yeah, did you, yeah, how yeah. did you, um, yeah. I, I actually had a great, great background as a trained singer. Um, I started singing in church really young. I was like five or six years old. So I was really young when I started um, singing just in front of people. Um, and, and pretty much without fear. Um, I, I knew really young I had a good voice. So it wasn't really anything that I had to kind of figure out. I discovered my voice really young and got affirmation, positive feedback from family, friends, church community that it was a good sound I was making. And usually that's how it starts. A, a young child sings, and the only thing they need is positive reinforcement that it sounds good and they'll keep singing. And that's actually what happened for me. And I stayed in my church choir until, until um, someone in um, um, in our community um, suggested that um, I, you know, seek out professional vocal coaching for me. And I had to be about 13 years old by then. I was also playing piano and clarinet by then as well. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I just uh, started studying classically. And under my first vocal coach, um, she taught me Italian. She taught me French. I learned German with her. And I went into a lot of junior opera um, competitions, um, being primarily the only African-American young teenage girl in those competitions, Mm -hmm. which was also another kind of difficult thing for me to reconcile myself with, that I was headed into an art form that um, was underrepresented by Um, Mm African-Americans. So I thought. It wasn't until later on that I recognized um, and realized that there were a lot more African-Americans. I just didn't know that at that time. Yeah. That actually went on to, you know, um, undergrad at Temple University's Conservatory of Music and Graduate School in Chicago. And it was around that time in Chicago, um, the late 90s, early 2000s, that something in me began to, um, you know, kind of transition. I don't, I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue as a singer. And and that came about for many reasons. One big reason was I became disillusioned in opera. And then the second reason was I also began to physically not, 
you know, sing anymore in the manner in which I was trained. My voice started really acting weird on me. I don't know what was going on with it, but it wasn't behaving in the way that it should have been for opera. And I wasn't sure if that was a sign from God or what, but all I knew was, okay, my voice is really acting up. I'm not quite sure what's going on with it. And I went to a couple of doctors and they said, well, you know, there's nothing physically going on with your voice. So we're not quite sure what's happening. Um, years later, I kind of think that that was just God confirming <laughs> what I felt in my spirit, which was, you know, you kind of need to, to, to rethink operating um, and, and go in another direction. And little did I know that that direction was um, being a vocal coach. Um, so I started with one room in a little small studio in Chicago with um, anyone who was willing. And this was, like <laughs> I said, around 1998 or 2000 um, with anyone who was willing, actually. Um, and that just snowballed until what we have today. Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and, and she's definitely giving our abbreviated, you know, thing, but I, uh, version of that. But I think, you know, I want to go back to what you said about anybody being able to hang a shingle. Um, because I agree. I, you know, after working, particularly working with you, um, and having worked with other vocal coaches and kind of seeing the, the, the drastic difference, what, I guess, when you were just hanging that, you know, just like, well, anybody would come, what made you decide, no, I really want to know more of the science? Like, was, did you feel like you were just kind of an average vocal coach too? And then something no, happened and I like, a, oh, I got to dig deeper or what? Right. No, I had, I had excellent coaches myself when I was um, training for opera. I had excellent coaches. I had actually renowned coaches um, in the opera world. If, if I were to mention who my, my vocal coaches were, the opera community would know them. I don't think, you know, outside of the opera world, they would be pretty known. So they were pretty renowned in the opera world. I think for me, though, even as, as, as great as my undergrad and graduate uh, training was, when I decided to go into coaching, I knew that I did not want to train opera singers. I knew that. Mm. That was the mm -hmm. first thing that I knew I didn't want to train opera singers. I knew that that world was pretty well saturated with qualified vocal coaches. I knew that, you know, I would just be one among many qualified vocal coaches in the opera community. Those young kids who are getting operatic training have the best coaches in the world mm -hmm. um, who are thoroughly vetted. Um, mm. Unlike the commercial music industry, pop, rock, R&B, gospel, um, those singers tend to become coaches based on being singers themselves. And oftentimes when you have a retired singer who had vocal problems themselves, they're just passing on those mm. problems to the singers <laughs> that they are attracting into their studios. So at that point, I said to myself, you know, I really want to study vocal, vocal physiology and anatomy, the science behind, um, self-audiation, the human voice, and everything that goes in it, because I have a feeling, and it, and it was a good instinct on my part, and again, I, I'll give all credit to God for that, mm -hmm. that the singers I'm going to be encountering will have, will be, will have a higher probability of vocal abuse um, mm -hmm. than they do in the opera world, and less chance of getting a qualified coach to go in and correct 
the problem anatomically versus orally. A lot of times we hear the voice and we assume because it's beautiful, it's being operated correctly. And I always use this metaphor, just because you own a BMW doesn't mean the engine is running properly. Mm. <laughs> and a lot of times yeah. we become so infatuated with the car or the product that we never lift the hood of the engine to see what's going on underneath. And that, and I often say this, that was what happened in my estimation with Whitney Houston. It was an extraordinary naturally gifted voice that would not run correctly. Mm. This is mm. what's happening to Adele. It's a, it mm. is an extraordinary instrument. She is gifted. Vocal coaches do not give gifts. Any coach that tells you I can give you the gift of singing <laughs> is a liar. <laughs> our job, our job is to give you skill to manage yeah. the gift that you have. If you skip over that part and go into the music industry, just riding on your gift and never develop skill, that will run out. Mm -hmm. Any yeah. athlete will tell you that. Athletes yeah. never operate on just talent alone. Right. They develop yeah. skill and that combination mm -hmm. makes them unbeatable. Singers often just rely on the fact that they have affirmation that their voices are pretty. Well, I can go down the street and pick 20 people who have pretty voices. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No, and, and I'm so glad you, I'm just so happy we're doing this interview because there's so many people that need to hear what you're saying. Um, and you know, those artists truth. that, oh my gosh, <laughs> the artists that are, you know, listening, if you're a singer and you're listening to this interview, you know, two things that I guess are just really resonating with me as you're saying, what you're saying is, you know, one about the talent and just writing on the talent and not nurturing, you know, and enhancing and, and doing what you need to do with the skill. The other side of that and, and, you know, one of the things we did a podcast talking about ways to make money in music. And we talked about, you know, vocal coaching, you know, could is an, is another kind of way that, you know, musicians or singers may, but what you just said, you know, you can't, you know, you, right. you don't want to be a vocal coach who has really, Oh, I can sing. So now I can coach. And I know exactly. I'm asked, yes, exactly. I'm asked often. Oh, I do you coach? Off. I'm like, I no. always, I'm always <laughs> in a state of, I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner of the human voice. I am in a constantly, constantly learning. I am um, in partnership with, um, Cedar Cyanide's Head and Neck Institute. Um, I often go to their, um, professional development training courses for new advancements in vocal medicine, vocal science, vocal physiology, all the technology that's being done now to record the human voice visually while it's in motion. Um, mm -hmm. I'm often at um, UCLA's vocal conferences. I do um, New York City's uh, Singing Teachers Association certification programs on vocal physiology. I am in a constant state of learning and understanding because the science of the human voice is constantly changing. The Mm -hmm. um, medicines that were used years ago to correct the human voice when a singer has overused their instrument, has um, swollen vocal cords or swollen larynx or has hemorrhaged their vocal cords, that medicine is constantly being updated. The, even the instruments used to look at the vocal cords, constantly being updated. And when a singer comes into my studio, first thing I listen for is 
if the instrument is healthy. If the instrument is not healthy, I'm not going to risk my um, insurance and take them mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to do yeah. that. Um, yeah. I will send them to Cedar Sinide, or if I'm in Chicago, I'll send them to the um, um, Chicago Institute for um, Voice and say, you know what? I need pictures on your voice because I need to hear what's going on because what I hear isn't correct. So before I even begin to try to adjust these muscles so that the sound will be optimal, I need to see if the instrument is viable um, for instruction. If I'm not dealing with a healthy instrument, then it won't happen. And 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 I'll roll call here for a minute because the list is long. I mean, vocal damage, of course, Adele was brave enough to come out and say I had vocal damage. And we know, um, you know, but there, the list is long. I mean, from Shaka Khan um, to, to Lionel Rich to, um, you know, um, John Mayer to, yeah. um, uh, you know, Sam Smith. I mean, the list yeah. goes on and on of singers who have been, had to go under the knife to correct something that is so easily preventable, so easily wow. preventable, or wow. to correct something that another vocal coach actually messed up because they didn't know what they were doing. And that's wow. another thing, you know, singers need to know how to vet coaches. There are certain things vocal coaches need to have under their belt. They just do. They can't be a former singer and then say, I'm a vocal coach because I was a former singer. That's not enough, especially if you're dealing with young voices. 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old voices that are still prepubescent or heading into puberty. Those are very fragile instruments. And if they're put in the hands of the wrong person, you can do a lifetime of damage to a young voice that age. Mm. Wow. Wow. This is so, so educational. Very. Yeah. I I, I really think that, you know, singers... Singers are, a lot of singers I talk to will maybe kind of intellectually know, oh, I probably need to talk to or work with some type of coach, but really procrastinate that or don't, just really don't understand the value of it. And, and particularly as you're talking about, you know, these major stars where ultimately that affects their career. I mean, they, you can't, you can't perform, you can't do this stuff. If you can't, you know, you can't sing, you're not going to have longevity in your career. And, you know, I don't know where Adele is at this point, because I know this is now her second or third time of, of going through this. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is her second time. And, um, you know, the vocal cords are very fragile. They're only the length of your natural thumbnail. They're only as thick as a dime and they are mucosa. So they're considered a muscle because they function like muscles, but they're really mucousy if you really would touch them. And so going in and operating on something that tiny is bad. But twice, mm, um, yeah. the chances of her coming back are probably pretty good. But you may hear, and again, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going by the singers that have recovered under my care. You may hear change in the tone and timbre and texture of the sound because, you know, the folds may not be vibrating at the same speed, at the same, you know, rate. I mean, a lot of things could go into the voice having a different tone, timbre or texture once the cords are operated on multiple times. She's got great surgeons. She's actually got a great surgeon. And um, 
And I'm sure mm -hmm. that she'll have access to quality aftercare, but she had access to quality aftercare the first time. Right, right. Right, right. So apparently the behavior hadn't really been thoroughly corrected or altered. And I actually don't blame Adele or any artist. The business is hard. The demands are really hard. You have to train on purpose. You can't coast through it. You have to on purpose say, I'm going to diligently, actively seek out a qualified coach and make sure I check in with them once a month, once every other month, once a week, yeah. or whatever your time permits. You have to do it on purpose. You mm -hmm. cannot come into this career and think that you can coast on your talent for 30 years. You're asking 30, 40 years out of an instrument that cannot be replaced at the guitar center. <laughs> I, I was going right. to make a, a so statement about with that. With that being said, yeah, because yeah, I'm an instrumentalist, and that's and we we yeah. get our our instruments serviced uh, on a regular basis, especially if we're performing right. frequently. Mm -hmm. uh -oh, exactly. Wow. Exactly. Are you there? <laughs> so you, what were oh, you I'll saying? Just make Kenya? sure you were there. No, I was. I thought you had dropped out, but no, no, that's exactly true. You, you, you're right. You get it serviced, and you know, if you need to get it repaired, you go in the shop, get it repaired. It makes sense if it's not making the quality of sound, and you're doing the same things, and you know. But I think as singers, we really, you know, for whatever reason, we don't, we really don't treat our voices as instruments, and they, you know, they are. Lindia, what well, would you? So well, I was going to ask you for that singer then who's listening to this and is now feeling the shame and the guilt like oh my god i gotta go get it <laughs> i need some help how 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 can a singer find or what do you recommend they do to try to find a vocal coach who kind of has those types of you know credentials is there something online that you can kind of look up to find well, i'm gonna back into your answer the first thing is the singer needs to admit that no matter how beautiful their natural voice is they need guidance especially because sometimes problems don't manifest themselves right away and you think you're all good and problems will come later. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is do not get lulled into a false sense of security because your producer made you sound a certain way when you were recording. Yes. You get yes. lulled into a false sense of security because your production is so good. That's just the producer who understands recording technology and how to alter the human voice using digital technology. That's all that is. The proof will come out live on stage. Yeah. The proof yeah. will come out live on stage. So that's the second thing. Don't get lulled into a false insecurity because you sound good digitally. My dog mm -hmm. sounds good digitally. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, that's oh, the second thing. The third thing is you don't have to see a coach every week, but you do need to check in with a qualified coaching individual. Now, what you need to look for a couple things. At the least, they need to have a bachelor's with a concentration in voice. Mm -hmm. They need to have a bachelor's degree. This is the minimal with a concentration in voice, not a music degree in piano or a music degree in guitar with a vocal focus. So they need to have a music degree, but their concentration should have been voice. That's at the minimal, at the level. Master's degree, concentration in voice, voice pedagogy, or vocal science. Okay. Okay. Wow. With advanced wow. certification in um, 
um, vocal audiology, vocal physiology, and vocal anatomy. And comparative vocal analysis. And what comparative vocal analysis is, comparing different vocal techniques um, that have from the Astill method to Seth Riggs method to the Belcanto method, mm -hmm. all of these vocal methods, comparative vocal analysis is studying multiple methods and finding out which method works for that individual singer that's in front of you. Mm. Because not every pair of shoes fits every person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. So every and... vocal method may not be applicable to the singer in front of you. That's why it's good to know many different compared and have an analysis of all the different styles in which you can train the voice and and also understand that tenors are trained differently than baritones basses are trained differently than sopranos sopranos mm. are trained differently than altos and know how those voices are trained differently and understand mm. that now is there some type of like database or like you know because i this is excellent information yep. and you know i i definitely hope listeners will kind of rewind and take notes and and this, you know our singers out there who are who are trying to you know advance their careers and their voice is there like somewhere you can kind of go that does any kind of listings or is it just kind of good luck <laughs> go once you find yeah, one you go can go, ask them they, all can their go credentials. they can definitely go to the national association of teachers of singing's website it's nats nats national okay. association of teachers of singing they have a listing of all the vetted vocal coaches because in order to become a member of nats you have to be properly vetted. So right. all the vocal coaches in their in their uh, registry have been thoroughly vetted through the National Association of Teachers of Singing. There are thousands of vocal coaches, and they and once you go into the website, it's listed state by you just click on your state, nice. and then okay. every vetted vocal coach in your state will come up, and then you just find the one near you. And nice. then even though they're qualified. There also is a personality thing. Kenya paid me a wonderful compliment because she said that, you know, I also taught her soul. Mm -hmm. And that was our relationship. I have a similar relationship to a lot of my clients. Some people don't like that side of who I am. Some people prefer me to just be coach and don't get involved in who I am as an individual. And so I may not be the coach for that person who prefers a coach to just deal with my voice, don't deal with what's going on with me personally or in my, you know, or in my life. I do get personal with my clients because I understand that that plays a role in how you develop as an artist. But some people don't want your coach to be involved in your life. So you also have to make sure, even though they may be qualified, it may not be a personal fit for you. Right, right. And, and you know, and it's, it's funny because I think that I had wanted that in a coach, but didn't know how to say that. Hmm. In other words, you know, when I was working maybe, you know, with another coach, um, I wanted the, <laughs> I, cause I was new and I was just trying to get myself back, you know, into, into music. And I felt really scared and, and lost and like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I, I wanted to be able to have, you know, this coach kind of, you know, push me, not just vocally, but, you know, in these other spaces. And so I think sometimes um, you're right. There's singers who they, they may actually need that and don't even aren't even aware that they that's what it is that's kind of blocking them and that it's not just all about the, the technique. At the same time, 
you know, like you said, some singers, that's a hard space to be told because I, let me tell you, let me tell you something. Um, and, and I love her beyond, but I've cried many a times, many a times <laughs> in Lydia's studio. And it wasn't crying, you know, cause I wasn't paid from singing. No, it, it was, it was because everything she, it was, it was, it was, some of it was just affirmation and I was just, it was tears of joy. Um, but a lot of times it was tears of, you know, she's, she's preaching to me and I have work I need to do. I have personal work that I need to do that is affecting my ability. Not, you know, not only to maybe move in the career, but even my singing, like I'm not, I'm not giving it my all cause I'm scared or I'm not, you know, pushing, exactly. you know, and really doing this because I'm not confident. Exactly. And, um, yeah. And that really, you know, I think of those things, to this day, every day, you know, every time I get on the stage and, you know, I, Lindia has always, I, when I would go through my panics, you know, it's like, just, you know, have a good time, enjoy yourself. Don't get caught up in trying to sound pretty. Like you always say, like, just, just, you know, <laughs> do, do you. And I have to tell myself that because, you know, you'll get in these really scary situations of performing sometimes. And the only place you can go is, is, is rely on your soul and who you are. So I, I really do think that when you're thinking about, one, trying to find a vocal coach, really analyze yourself and what is it that you're needing. But the other side is if you're trying to become a vocal coach, really think about, I think, everything that you're saying, how you're going to need to to develop. Right. Yourself. If you if you don't have if you're, you know, 40, 50 years old and you don't you don't want to go back to undergrad graduate school. Um, New York City Teachers Association has certification programs. Um, they're online or you can actually go to the New York City Teachers Association in New York City and take these very intense, intense classes. Now, you do need to, if you have no background in vocal coaching at all, then you're going to have to take some of the beginner courses to understand just human physiology and, um, you know, the structure of the of the larynx and, 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 and things of that nature and where the vocal cords are housed and how sound is produced. Some of those early classes you'll have to go through. But um, it is a really, really good certification program. Um, NYSTA is the um, acronym, and um, you can look online for it. They have a lot of online classes being taught by expert professional coaches. Um, and, and that actually can begin your journey into really, really studying about um, the human voice. And they also offer the comparative analysis so that you can look at all the methods because, you know, I live in Los Angeles and, you know, if it's, if it's not the Estelle method, it's Seth Riggs method. If it's not Seth Riggs method, it's Bel Canto method or musical theater method or a legit musical theater method or whatever the case may be. And sometimes it takes a minute. You have to sit down and compare all of yeah. these different methods and then kind of filter through them and say, okay, this is, this is accurate but this may not be so accurate and this is good, but this may not be so good. I can do that now after 30 years of doing what I do. So I kind of know which methods are, are, are really based on fact and not fiction and, with, and which methods are just profitable to whoever invented this new latest and greatest way to get you to sound like, you know, Beyonce <laughs> or whoever. Right. Um, but right. one more thing, right. and I know our time is short, but one thing I want to add a lot of times to um, Kenya and Will, the reason why singers don't really seek out coaching is because of the expense factor. Right, right. Many mm -hmm. singers would rather pay a producer 
five, ten thousand dollars to digitally enhance their voice, then pay a coach, you know, 80, 90 bucks an hour to go in and do it naturally. Mm. It's just, that's yes. just the fact of the matter is that yes, nobody, is. I yeah. mean, that's probably for me and many coaches and my colleagues, that's one of the biggest things that we, we often encounter with emerging artists. They don't want to pay for it. Yeah. That's, that's a very important and, way of looking at it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, want to I know. And we're going to have to wrap up, but I want to say with that, you know, this is why we're doing this podcast is to so that people really understand to make money, you have to invest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you're going to, you know, be a successful person as a singer and performing and have longevity, you know, and health and a healthy, you know, experience or as mostly healthy as you can have experience, you're going to have to invest. And this is yet another area of investment, just like you're investing in that producer, like you just said. Yeah. And yourself. Ah, this is I know I we're know. running down on yeah. our time. <laughs> and, is, you yeah. know, you're yet again another guest. We're going to have to do a part two. But before we go really quickly, if you could just let us know, is there a way that if somebody wants to be able to reach out to you, um, is there any social media they can follow you or a website or email? Um, I'm going to be doing um, an online radio show called Singers in 60. Um which will begin in um, January and I'm going to be doing um, 60 second vignettes online, Twitter, Facebook. You'll be hearing them soon called Singers in 60. So the 60 basically is 60 minutes or 60 seconds. I can be reached at sterlingvoicecoaching.com, sterling like silver, voicecoaching.com. Um, or you can Google Ms. Lindia, MZ Lindia, um, and my name will fly up. <laughs> I figured that out. <laughs> kind of scary. Um, all over uh, the World Wide Web, which is, again, kind of scary. Um, <laughs> I Googled myself one day and was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but um, look for Singers in 60. Um, it's going, the vignettes will begin in about a week, and the um, radio show will begin in January. And I'm going to be having guests, and we're going to be talking vocal health, and we're going to be doing karaoke pop-up. At random karaoke bars it's going to be fun perfect awesome 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 all right well, well thank you so much lindia yes. i i mean again you're just a wealth of knowledge and and again like you know i love your spirit so i appreciate you doing this and talking to our audience yep. and we'll we'll have to do this again especially once your show has started and you know we can get more into that and, and what you're doing with that great thank great. you so thank much. you will thank you kenya thank you for all you do all right Talk to y'all later. Bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please leave us a comment on our page. If you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at info at creatingcrimson.com or drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbizbiz.com. If you would like to schedule a consultation session with Creating Crimson, you can fill out the contact form at the bottom of the website at creatingcrimson.com. If you would like registration services for your music project, you can visit makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com and go to the registration services page. Please fill out the contact form and we will get back with you promptly. If you are interested in advertising on our podcast, please send us an email at drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com.